What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Jags Den podcast post-draft edition, uh, courtesy here of the Jaguars Wire. I am your host, Phil the Filipino Smith, joined here uh, with, with James Johnson, the guru, uh, Jacob DeLawrence, and also joining us for the, for the first time here on the Jags Den podcast, Coach Nick Trist. Gentlemen, how are you all doing? Take some time to introduce yourselves and, and plug and plug your handles as well. How's it going, gentlemen? Good, my man. Good. It's Everybody know I'm James, um, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. Good to be back on the Jags Den podcast. Uh, you all, of course, can follow me at sportsgrind underscore done. Follow the Jags Den podcast at Jags Den podcast and the Jaguars Wire at the Jaguars Wire. Yeah, man, I'm uh, doing good. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. And, of course, this is Jacob. Anybody that wants to follow me on Twitter, that's at underscore J Della, J D E L A. Looking forward to talking about this wonderful, wonderful draft of ours. And yeah, guys, I'm doing real well. Also, uh, like Phil said, this is the first time I'll be joining you on uh, this podcast. And uh, so I'll take a little time to introduce myself. I'm Coach Nick Trist. Um, I do contribute uh, to Jaguars Wire when I can. I have a few articles up, but uh, my primary job is, uh, like my handle says, I'm a, a football coach. I coach at a junior college. And, in South Carolina, so my free time, uh, I like to give the Jaguar Jaguars wire a little help. Um, and my my Twitter handle is real easy to remember. It's just at Coach Trist T R I S T. And congratulations on your new uh, gig up in South Carolina, too, Nick. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So yep. you know, there's a blessing blessing for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely. A little bit of a reunion here with me, James, and Nick. Uh, we've worked together in the past. Happy to have everybody back together. And also Jacob here joining the fray. So, gentlemen, we know uh, what we're speaking about here today. It was a pretty busy weekend, a lot going on. So we're going to talk, obviously, what we are a little bit of uh, our thoughts about the draft and how we feel about the about the picks. Lots to talk about and a lot to get into. So really quick, just do a real quick breakdown. In case you uh, were a little busy the last couple of days, here's what the Jaguars did in terms of the 2017 NFL draft. Number one, uh, first round, we took, of course, Leonard Fournette, the running back out of LSU. Uh, Alabama offensive lineman Cam Robinson in the second round. Uh, Illinois edge rusher uh, Dwayne Smoots, Oklahoma wide receiver D.D. Westbrook, Ohio linebacker Blair Brown, Minnesota cornerback Jalen Myrick, and Miami fullback Marquez Williams. Guys, there's a lot to dive into here. Um, obviously, with the very uh, starting at the very beginning, Leonard Fournette. Um, I think all four of us had varying uh, varying opinions in terms of this pick. James, let's start off with you. How does Fournette fit in? to what the Jaguars want to do, and what do you think of the pick? I'll start by saying this, that Leonard Fournette is a very talented player, so make no mistake about what I'm going to say. I'm not disputing his talent. Um, But me, I am a believer in new school football, and I don't believe in taking running backs that high at all, um, similar to Pete Prisco. And especially looking back at it, looking at the second round, uh, Dalvin Cook was available. They could have waited, and he's a better scheme fit, in my opinion. Uh, They also could have waited to the third round. I think uh, Alvin Kamara, if I'm not uh, mistaken, was available from Tennessee as well. Also, to me, a better scheme fit than Fournette. Uh, That being said, I mean, the the pick, self-explanatory. You know, Tom Coughlin does like to run the ball, likes a physical presence. Leonard Fournette is probably the most physical running back or was in the draft. And uh, it makes sense from that perspective. Um, Don't know if he's quite as shifty as some people would like for zone blocking, which Jacksonville should predominantly use. But um, that being said, I won't give the pick an F because he's so talented. I understand that. And I I gave the pick personally a C. All right, Jacob, what do you think? Kind of echo what James just said. I don't hate Fournette. Perfectly great player most dominant physical back in the draft class. However, why are we taking a running back with the number four overall pick when we have other holes that need to be addressed, such as tackle, tight end, quarterback, secondary, wherever you want to go? And also, why are we taking Fournette when we have Yeldon and Ivory? Fournette's not that great at catching out the backfield. And it kind of just 
tipped our hands to what we were going to do in the second round, too. That's another reason why I wasn't crazy about the pick. Overall, I got to give it by a C minus just because Fournette and what he's capable of is so good. But it's just that position that just hinders it. It would have been a B if we would have traded back to about the mid teens. Took him. It would have been a B, maybe an A, depending upon what we got in the trade. But taking him that early, you get a C minus. It's just why is my only question with it. Well, as as to the why that you just asked, I mean, I think what you just talked about was a realistic possibility. I think Jacksonville, like you said, did have needs at running back, tight end, and offensive line. Where they're picking at the draft, there's no alignment available there. So I think in all, in a perfect world, they would have liked to have traded back so they can get a little more value. But but what really shook that up was the move at number two by Chicago. The only time people are going to really move up that in the top five like that is to get a quarterback. It happened in front of them, so they weren't able – to really capitalize off of that. After that happened, they, I think they really just went best player available. So, I mean, you know, Fournette is a physical specimen. You know, I'm not going to just repeat everything you guys said. We all know what kind of player he is. Um, but what I think makes him, you know, this is just jumping ahead a little bit. I think what I, what makes me like that pick even more is what they did in the second round because I think they got absolute steal in Cam Robinson. Yeah, and you know what? Let's say that's actually a good transition there, Nick. I was going to start with you for the for uh, for with Cam Robinson, uh, anyway. So just a my th- a few thoughts of um, what I had about the Leonard Fournette pick. You know, as you guys were saying, I definitely uh, um, understand what kind of talent he is. I think he's going to you know be successful in the league. But when we have so many other needs, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We will see how it goes. I would have much preferred Jamal Adams. I've been on, I've been on that. I was on that train all the way up to the draft. You guys know that. But we were talking a little bit before uh, we had gotten started here. Nick, you were pretty high on the Cam Robinson pick, and you think maybe he won't even. Uh, maybe it'll be at a position other than what he people think that he was drafted for. And what do you think of that Cam Robinson pick? What are your thoughts on that? Well, if you look at you know Cam Robinson, if you look at his career at Alabama, uh, I believe he was a three-year starter at left tackle. Came in, of course, highly touted. Um, you know, but I do not. So that's why most people believe that he, he's going to play tackle. But uh, when you look at his frame and you, when you look at his footwork, especially, I think he's best suited to move inside. And if you do that, you, I think he could be a top 10 position, a top 10 player at that position within a year or two of making that move to guard. He's an absolute mauler in the run game. Um, he'll be able to open holes for for Fournette. Um, you know, Jacksonville already has a really good center in place. So I think it solidifies a, a big need offensive line and then a thin offensive line class. I think they're really, really lucky to leave with a guy like Cam Robinson, who, in my opinion, of all the available offensive linemen, I think he has the highest ceiling. I don't think necessarily he's the safest pick, possibly some questions about his work ethic. Will he want to move the guard? So on and so forth. But if you do, if you can get him to buy in, I think you have the kid of anybody in this draft, that offensive line, who can help a team the most, the quickest, and has the highest ceiling. Now, when you say he has the highest ceiling, would you say, like Michael Jordan says, and would you say the ceiling is the roof? There, Nick. Would you agree? Would you agree with that statement? Or my yeah. great, great Michael no, Jordan. I, well, you're never going to catch me arguing with the greatest to ever lace him up, you know. So, no, I'll, I'll agree with Jordan on it. <laughs> um, Jacob, what do you think about that that Cam Robinson pick there? I mean, I love the Cam Robinson pick just from even ignoring the fact we took Fournette, just looking at it as fixing the O line and helping Bortles. I mean, that's perfect. Plus, Cam. Watched a whole bunch of Alabama football. I'm friends with Alabama fans. Grew up in Alabama. I saw way too much Cam Robinson. He's versatile enough where he can go left tackle, right tackle, or he can take either the left or the right guard position. Like uh, Nick mentioned, it's just a matter of does he want to motivating him and giving him some kind of incentive drive to be able to take it if he moves off a left tackle. And honestly, I feel like he could be a pro bowler in maybe three years, two, three years. Could be a perennial pro bowler, depending upon where he ends up on the line. It's definitely a steal to get him in the second round. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And, um, you know, one thing we didn't really talk about was what Jacksonville, I guess they were kind of afraid somebody was going to come up to get him. But they, you know, they traded little to nothing to move up their one spot, which, I mean, that don't really bother me when you look at what they got in return. So uh, Cam Robinson, as we all know, and as I've all written on the site, uh, that that's a guy that I was high on. Um, I really, you know, me and Jacob talked on this on episode three point five. I really like him as a guard, and um, I think as Nick to kind of echo off of what him and Jacob said, I think he can be Pro Bowl caliber on the inside, at least at guard. Um, can't speak on him as a center. I don't know how you will fare there, but um, 
that being said, I mean, we're talking about a young man that he was, you know, despite his uh, issues off the field, they saw him as a leader. That's that's one thing that Tom Coughlin covets. Uh, Nick Saban saw him as a leader over at Alabama, led that line. Um, you know, they went to, if I'm not mistaken, was it two nationals with him there as a starter, at least. And uh, that being said, you know, he's paved some nice lanes over there in Alabama. And, I, you know, that this is the perfect Tom Coughlin fit that I think we all can agree with. Yeah, he definitely brings that championship pedigree, which, you know, something you, you always really like. So are you guys all kind of in agreement here? Do you think more so that the, he'll be he'll be moved inside to guard or do you think he's actually going to compete with Brandon Albert, who we all know kind of off to a little bit of a rocky start with Jaguar fans because of the uh, because of his holdout during the you know voluntary part of OTAs? But, um, you know, a little bit of an unforeseen circumstance. So are, do you think you guys are all in agreement with that? They'll probably move. Uh, we'll probably move Cam Robinson to the inside. Probably. I think what what they'll do, they'll they'll truly let him and um, Brandon Albert battle it out at left tackle and the loser will go in the guard. And that that could be Brandon Albert that gets kicked in the guard. But I think it'll probably be Cam because they're not stupid. And neither one of those people or players can afford to sit on the bench, especially if you're us. Yeah, I'm uh, in the same agreements with James. They'll probably battle throughout summer, maybe going into the preseason. But at the end of the day. Week one, Cam will probably be starting at either left or right guard, and Albert will have left tackle, unless Cam just absolutely dominates him throughout the summer. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to to watch that all all play out there, guys. So um, here with the sixty eighth pick, as we I alluded to earlier, here we took uh, Illinois edge rusher Dwayne Smoot. Um, Working with uh, coach, coaching under uh, being coached under Lovey Smith uh, last year had a pretty solid 2016 campaign um, for you know not necessarily a, a name a, lot, a name a lot of people are are familiar with so James what does what is Dwayne Smoot bringing to the table was he going to fit in with that rotation of uh, you know Ngakwe and, and Dante Fowler how how's he going to come in and, and and make an impact Yeah yeah the pick is one that um you know it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. I kind of saw Smoot more as a uh, fourth-round pick. But uh, that being said, I'm not surprised that the Jaguars did it. They probably graded him higher than others because of how they how their defense is laid out with the the wide nine technique. And that's exactly what Smoot is, a guy that can land out like very wide and rely on his speed and, uh, you know, dip under people and, and what have you. Um, my, my biggest thing with it, I guess you could say he's – um. I mean, this is not a con or something that I'm knocking, but he's very similar to Yannick Ngakwe. I think Yannick might be a better run stuffer than uh, Smoot is, so to speak. And I think that's one thing he's really going to have to work on in coming into the league. And Todd Wash, our defensive coordinator, very good with young defensive linemen. That's why this pick makes so much sense. They probably feel like Todd Wash will develop him uh, better to, to better better develop more moves and become better against the run and he can come become similar to Yannick or more of the mold of Yannick and you know it'll be him and Dante and Yannick on that outside as um rotating and um you know moving around and whatnot so I can't wait to see that go down yeah absolutely anything else to anything else to add there uh Jake or Nick in terms of uh doing smooth there well the one uh, thing yeah I'll- go ahead Nick well, the one thing I'll say about Smooth is, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've watched a ton of film on the guy. So the grade, I guess I give it is, is incomplete at the moment. But I was just looking at a few of the players who went right after him. Um, and a guy I really would have maybe liked to take a chance on this spot for Jacksonville when everyone looks for edge rushers is a guy like uh, a guy like Tim Williams from Alabama. You know, a little bit of off-field questions and really one-dimensional player, but a guy who can absolutely get after the quarterback from uh, you know, on third down for sure. Um, but I do trust Jacksonville's defensive, uh, defensive line coach, Marion Hobby. You know, he's got a long track record of success. So, you know, if you like Smoot, I guess there's something to like. Um, like I said, I can't really give it a complete grade at, at the moment. And real quick, just to echo off of Nick, he just brought up something that I just completely forgot about, too, and I don't mean to cut Jacob off, but the Marion Hobby thing. And, you know, like Nick said, he came from Clemson. And you look at what Marion Hobby has worked at, worked with in the past, and it's people like Vic Beasley who kind of fit that mold of Smoot. And that's another guy that Smoot probably would be good 
uh, or should I say another coach that Smoot would learn from? I think, Smoot, I think Smoot might be a little more comparable to a guy like Shaq Lawson, who Marion Hobby also coached. Right. Just right. a little bigger than Beasley, but, you know, not to cut you off. Go ahead, man. Just no, no, you're out. right. He does fit that mold of people that or players that Marion Hobby has worked with. So, uh, yeah, not to cut your uh, time, Jacob. Go right ahead, man. <laughs> uh, in regards to Smoot, the funny thing is going into the season, I believe uh, McShay had him as the number six. He was a top 10 prospect going into this past college football season, and he got attention. So he underproduced, which is expected when he's getting double teamed a lot. But over the past two years, he's had 30 tackles for loss, like six forced fumbles and 15 sacks, plus countless just being in the backfield. Kid has a motor. So you're getting a first-round talent in the third round. He's a little one-dimensional. If he can't beat you with speed, he's kind of just stuck. I mean, I love the pick. If he pans out rotating with Fowler, it's a great option. Yeah, just like Nick said, you know, time will tell. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And, and as James alluded to, a player very similar to to Yannick Ngakwe. So it'll be it'll be nice to you know towards continuing. I mean, that youth movement youth movement there at that position. So we will see what happens in terms of Dwayne Smoot. Uh, so now uh, with, with this next pick here, this is where, uh, you know, kind of started up a little bit of controversy. Um, we took, uh, took Oklahoma wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. And, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with some of the issues that he's uh, he's had during his collegiate career, we will get into that here. I did, um, you know, taking a look at uh, one of our – actually our, our newest contributors, Thomas Goodrich, who couldn't be here today's – he was, uh, he was a little busy, but he will join us uh, on the show here uh, pretty soon. But um, he did kind of go over the uh, the good and the bad when it comes to D.D. Westbrook. So, Jacob, let's let's start with with you here, you know, just addressing here the football side of things. Um, what, what were they doing with this with this pick? You know, you look at you, you look at the roster now. Obviously, you have the Allen, uh, the Allen brothers still have Marquise Lee, Rashad Green. What was going on here with this pick? I'm looking at it either we're going competition for Lee and Green or we're going special teams to add a kick return or a punt return because Alfield's issues aside, the boy is probably the fastest player in this draft class. When he touches it, he can put his foot in the ground, make a man miss, and he's going up the field in a blink of eye. He finished fourth in the Heisman voting. It's a great pick. On the field-wise, talent. Everything, he's great. He's a little undersized, so he might not survive 16 games depending upon how he's used but on the field he's perfect it's just that off the field issue that everybody is a little upset about using a fourth round pick on him for absolutely james what do you think here about the the football player that we're getting yeah i think what this boiled down to is um i've always had this theory and a lot of teams use this theory the first three rounds is used for starters but if the class is deep, which you can say this one was, especially due to defensive talent. Um, this this was a deep class. Sometimes you can get starters in the fourth round. And I think they had a high grade on on D.D. Westbrook. And when they came up to the fourth round, you know, they they said, you know, off the field issues aside, we got a very high grade on this young man, maybe a starting caliber grade on him in terms of their system. And, you know, this is this is too high of a grade to pass on this young man. So um, aside from that, I mean, another thing to take into consideration is, you know, maybe they knew they weren't going to get a tight end or going to be able to get a tight end. So they're trying to supplement for for that by loading up with other receivers and other different body types. So that might have something to do with it. But, um, yeah, this is a guy that, I mean, they, they're already loaded on the outside. You put him in the slot. He can take the top off of coverage. He can cause mismatches. He got he has the speed to do so. And as Jacob said, you know, they could use some help in the uh, the return department. So they could definitely use him there. Yeah, you know, you know, as as you guys had mentioned, you know, he's a smaller guy, six feet, one hundred and eighty pounds. And special teams, you you immediately think of of a guy like uh, like a Tyreek Hill, who just you know, ironically has had his is his own issues also in the past. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Anything else to add in terms of uh, D.D. Westbrook, the, the 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 football player? Well, well, man, to be honest, uh, I kind of well, I think I just disagree basically with what all you guys said. Yeah, talent's there. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, I speak to a lot of great college football coaches and a lot of coaches, you know, been lucky enough to coach, to coach with guys who have a lot of experience. And there's one thing they all say, and that's culture beats scheme any day. Culture beats whatever. You're the culture of your locker room matters as much in football as anything else does. 
So I'm not going to bring a guy in there who could jeopardize the culture of that locker room. So I don't care what he could do on the field. You can point to the Tyree Kills of the world. You can point to other guys who've had character concerns who were personally successful. But if you look at team success, it has much more to do with having high character guys who are going to give you everything they have. And you don't have to worry about making dumb decisions. I mean, I think we've seen Jacksonville get burned on this in the past with guys like Justin Blackman. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes the pressure to win forces you to take a chance on guys who who aren't good character guys. And then there's just so much, you know, they've come out. I don't know the guy. I don't know West D.D. Westbrook. But there's I've just heard so much negative about the type of guy he is off the field. So, like I said, I just he would be off my board if I was an NFL team. Hey, uh, Nick. Go I'm sorry. Go ahead, change. Okay. Well, yeah, I go ahead real quick. Um, yeah, the thing about what Nick said, you know, I do agree with the whole culture of a locker room type of deal. You know, that can, you know, that can bring a team down at times. But I will say this: maybe you know, if you're Tom Coughlin, you're looking at that draft board and saying, you know, well, I've established who my leaders are. I've established, you know, who's gonna lead my my locker room basically. And this young man is gonna come into a locker room with Calais Campbell. You know, he, he's going to come in there with some guys that have that pedigree, that leadership pedigree that could possibly. You, I mean, you, you can go on and argue that some people don't change, but they do have some players in place that can help this young man get his life on track off the field as well as on the field. So, I mean, there is that. But um, you can go ahead, Jacob. I mean, I was just about to say the same thing. He's going into a locker room where you have the leaders that aren't going to take that. More importantly, you have Tom Coughlin sitting in an office and you know he will not hesitate to come down to situate mm-hmm. D.D. Westbrook if need be. By no means am I defending Westbrook or any of his off-the-field actions. It's just there's also the saying, is the talent worth the risk? Right. Fourth round, first round talent, fourth in Heisman, past two years he's been off the charts. I don't love the pick, but I see why it was made. And he's coming into a situation where he's can be protected if he wants to take it versus where you had Blackman. That was a young team all around. You didn't have that many leaders. Plus, well, I was going to say plus we're in Jacksonville, but he got in a lot of trouble in Norman, Oklahoma. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, best of luck. And uh, he's probably going to be on the shortest leash of anybody on the Jags franchise Not above to Brandon Albert. <laughs> not to mention, I didn't mean to cut you off, but not to mention Justin Blackman. That that whole decision was stupid because there were teams that said they, you know, they actually sent scouts to follow him around campus. And the Jacksonville Jaguars were stupid enough to use a first round pick on him. See, as you said, with D.D. Westbrook, it's just a fourth, so it, it's not necessarily that big of a deal, especially when you look at what the reward could be. And I mean, Tom Coughlin. One more thing to just bounce off of that. Tom Coughlin has this saying that. I remember um, him saying it on one of the NFL documentaries. If, as a coach, you can't walk into your locker room, which he'll probably do as the VP and Marone will, if you can't walk into your locker room without people going quiet, then you got the wrong people there. And they feel like they have a, a established locker room that they can, you know, that can, like I said, can help this young man to probably get his life on track. But, you know, we'll see and time will tell. Yeah, you know, and just to kind of echo, you know, and you know, Nick's sentiments, what he had said there, it was a very, very puzzling pick to me. Uh, it didn't seem like a guy that would would really be on even on their on their radar, especially with Tom Coughlin coming in, and then you know, we had those quotes coming out from Dave Caldwell, you know, saying that they had done their due diligence and he'll be on a short leash, but also made some other comments that were very, you know, I you know, eyebrow raising and. Very concerning, you know. Some, you know, I'm not sure, James, if you had heard any, any if there was any truth to, to, you know, through the back channels about him being kicked out of the, the combine interview and, and things like that, and then also the um, Albert Breer report, reporting from a, you know, an, an AFC area scout that, you know, he's just just a degenerate, you know, things of that nature. You know, had you heard anything uh, regarding this guy that, you know, uh, out, outside of what was already reported? Anything else that we could be concerned, we should be concerned about? Because it was a very puzzling pick to me, and I definitely wasn't a fan of it myself. Yeah, I, I haven't really heard anything on Westbrook outside of what was reported and, you know, some of the issues, uh, you know, the off-the-field issues that we've already mentioned. So, yeah, I can't really speak on, like, anything else that, you know, might have leaked. But, I mean, then again, like, another reason I guess I will say that this doesn't puzzle me is because they had – I mean, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure this is the case. They had Joe Mixon on their board, too, because why spend one of your allotted 30 visits – to bring him in if you're not going to consider him because like I said you only get 30 of those visits with top tier prospects 
So, I mean, I wasn't surprised to see them draft D.D. Westbrook because I believe deep in my heart that they also had Joe Mixon on their big board. And I do believe that they might have drafted him if he was available at a certain point in the draft. So I'm not surprised at all by this. Gotcha. Well, obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of strong opinions on that. We'll we'll see how it goes and, uh, you know, see if he can, uh, um, you know, hopefully stay on the right path and, and turn things around. We definitely don't want another Justin Blackman situation. Obviously, they're not necessarily comparable to totally different situations, but it does bring up uh, bad members. Even go back to Matt Jones and his off the off the field issues. Um, haven't heard that name in a while. Sorry to bring that up, Jaguar fans. But I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, and then kind of wrapping up the draft here. Um, as we mentioned, Ohio linebacker Blair Brown, Minnesota cornerback Jalen Myrick, and the return of the fullback to Jacksonville, Marquez Williams out of Miami. Um, who, I don't know whoever wants to go first, uh, these uh, these late later round picks. Who are we getting here? And is Marquez Williams going to be the best fullback we've had since Greg Jones? Go ahead, coach, since you, you know, <laughs> you're the specialist. Well, man, to be 100% honest with you, you know, like I told you guys, you know, you guys know I'm very busy and stuff, so it's not like I get to evaluate every single draft prospect. But the one guy in that group I can tell you a little bit about is Jalen Myra. Uh, coincidentally, he went to a rival high school of mine um, down in Savannah, Georgia. So, you know, I've, I've kind of followed his career. Uh, he's got good speed, you know, fluid hips. Um, you know, worried about him tackling at the next level, um, especially with, a, with Tom Coughlin making the decisions, you know, if you're going to be on the field. Uh, for a defense that Tom Coughlin has any kind of influence on, you better be able to tackle. Um, but I think he might be a – he's a super hardworking kid, high IQ kid. Um, and, you know, in the sixth, seventh round, you're just looking for anybody who can really, you know, possibly make your roster. Um, but I'll guarantee he'll he'll be a good special team player for Jacksonville for the next, uh, you know, year or two to come just because of the worth at, at the character, uh, motor, all those things. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. I mean, looking out of those last few picks, I think actually uh, Blair Brown at Ohio, he might pan out to be something just from a special team standpoint. Looking over what he did at Ohio, he basically went from a red shirt to, yeah, he did a little bit, to, all right, he's getting better, to, okay, he got better than the year before. Then he doubled. Looking at stats right now, 2016, he finished with 128 tackles. 15s were 15 of those were tackles for losses and four and a half sacks compared to the year before where he had 65 tackles and four and a half tackles for loss. So looking at the kid, he's just improved year after year after year. Grabbing him in that round, you know, you're just at this point, you're looking and just taking best available player, thinking special teams, practice squad. He looks like he might be able to pan out to be a legit uh, special teams option. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just kind of just briefly touch on the, all three. James, um, James Warner, I did just want to say before you got into yours was – Yeah, go ahead. You're, you're right. I, I did recall. Yeah, I did watch Ohio's bowl game this year. And I do remember him popping on film. So that was one time I got to actually evaluate him. Um, you know, he was he was a tackle machine in that game. Obviously, level of competition, not, not tremendous. It was a lower-tier bowl game. But I do remember he played real well uh, in that bowl game and helped shut down a pretty good offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, man, he's a tackling machine, Nick. I was just about to say that as well. Um, when I looked on PFF, I think he was like atop the FBS in like efficiency. So this is a guy that didn't miss a lot of tackles. Um, you know, the knock on him is he's short. I think he's like five ten, and I'm talking about Blair Brown here. So you know, people might have knocked him for that, but then you know, there there is always that London Fletcher that you know that slips through the cracks because of height. You know, in terms of a linebacker and, you know, maybe this young man can be that. They say he's going to play weak side linebacker, so he'll be one of Telvin Smith's backups. And uh, something worth noting there, Dave Caldwell comes from a tree in which they don't really believe in paying weak side linebackers. And as stupid as it would be, I don't know if they are going to re-sign Telvin Smith. I hope they are, but history says that Dave Caldwell might not. So maybe this could be them trying to groom a young man to take his place eventually, we'll have to see. But um, Myrick, super speedy, ran a 4-2-8, uh, as I wrote on um, Jaguars Wire, uh, the fastest of any Big Ten player in combine history. Uh, of course, that I guess you could say he was tied with um, Ted Ginn. So, you know, by default, he is the fastest. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. They said they're going to put him at nickel mostly. And they uh, want, they like him as a gunner and uh, to play um, – 
coverage roles on punt protection and, and whatnot. So we'll see. And uh, Marquez Williams, um, a guy I don't really know too much about. I know Dave Caldwell said he's from my hometown of Albany, Georgia. And I will say this, if you can make it out of Albany, you can make it anywhere. So <laughs> they probably got a good pick there. We'll see. Uh, I, I do think he will bring a physical presence uh, to uh, their running game. And, you know, not only do you have to t- account for him, but the guy that's going to be behind him in Leonard Fournette potentially. And uh, so I can't wait to basically see uh, how that goes with the physicality aspect. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited to be able to play Madden and not put Ben Koyak at fullback. Uh, that'll be pretty exciting. Uh, <laughs> exciting or, or Mercedes to me. Lewis. Or Mercedes Lewis. So what I now what I heard out of you, James, is basically what you had said is Blair Brown is the next London Fletcher. Are you willing to put your Jaguars wire USA Today check on the line and to, uh, right now and say that? Please do. Do it. <laughs> Can we split the check three well, ways? They play two different yeah. positions, though. So, <laughs> I mean, one plays middle and then the other plays weak, man. But I will stick by that whole thing of I'm, I'm questioning if the Jaguars are going to re-sign Telvin Smith, which will be stupid if they don't. So I, I'm worried about that, guys. If we re-sign Dave Caldwell before Telvin Smith, I'm going to be very angry. I don't. I think a lot of people might agree with with that, but I'll be very upset if 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 that happens. So hopefully that will not be the case. Um, now I don't have a list here in front of me, James, but I don't know if, if you want to touch on some of the undrafted free agent signings we got. Anybody anybody of note that may be able to make a little bit of noise in, in training camp and possibly make the team? Yeah, man, uh, Avery Genesee, which we talked on before the um before the podcast aired. But yeah, that's the guy that I, that caught my eye. Um, you know, some people went as far as saying they had a fifth round grade on him. So, you know, for you to get him undrafted, that's a steal. Uh, They brought him in for a visit. He really liked it here. So kudos to Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell for winning him over, um, despite them not having a, you know, a a four, fifth, sixth, seventh round grade on him. So they did their due diligence there. You know, they won him over knowing that they weren't going to probably draft him. And uh, that that's the guy that sticks out the most for me. Um, Dewan Smoot's uh, buddy, I guess you could say, Carol Phillips. He was one of the other defensive ends or pass rushers at Illinois. Uh, he'll come in, join the fray, be interested, and see what he does as well. Great. Well, we'll hope. Well, there'll be a lot of intrigue. We'll be happy to get back to football here soon, and and seeing everybody back in uh, back in pads. So, what what I want to do here really quick is just get everybody's grades and see what they they thought of the draft. I think all of us have some varying opinions. Uh, Coach Nick, we're going to start with you, man. We're so happy to have you back and and just working with you again. What were your thoughts and what's your grade? What do you what do you think? How did they do? Well, I think the most important thing when you grade a draft is did you how many starters did you leave with? And I think they for sure left with two solid impact starters. So um, I'll give them right around right around a B. It's an above average job. Anytime you can, I feel like it's a guarantee you got two guys who will contribute right away out of a draft. That's more than you can say for most most years. So uh, I'll, I'll go with a solid B. Jacob, uh, looking at this, I feel like it was a. Solid draft. You could have did better in certain areas. You could have traded back. All that's all those are moot points now. Looking at it like a spades hand, I'm gonna say we got two and a possible third starter, maybe a fourth if we're lucky. Overall, I gotta give it a C pick. You kind of reached a little well, I wouldn't say reach, kind of drafted out of place with a Fournette, but overall grabbing Fournette and Robinson, those are two definite starters, possible pro bowlers. And then you have the possibles in Smoot and Westbrook. Plus what you picked up in the latter rounds, it's, it's about a C plus. It's not the best, it's not the worst, but it addressed a few needs, which is most important. Yeah, and not to piggyback off of Jacob, but yeah, I give it roughly a C plus too. Um, I won't say it don't sit well with me that they did what they did in the first round. I won't say that because, like I said, he, Leonard Fournette is talented. But um, that, you know, I just wish they could have got better value there. So that kind of, you know, hampers the pick for me. But, I mean, aside from that, you look at what they did. Yeah, they, they got some quality guys. Um, Fournette, I mean, nonetheless, is going to be a starter eventually, you think. And then um, the Cam Robinson pick, I love that. So, you know, they really helped the side of the ball that needed it the most, and they did their part to get Blake Bortles some help aside from landing a tight end, which, like I said, that's why that's another reason I didn't give it like an A or whatever. But uh, C- minus for me. 
Yeah, I give it around a C as well, guys. You know, we're we're, we're very similar. You know, not, I definitely I, I kind of touched on this before when the podcast has started. I'm just not as giddy as I was at last year's draft. You know, just being on such a high after getting uh, metaphorical high, uh, by the way, guys. So we're all we're all yeah, so uh, it was a uh, just feeling just so great about getting Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. And while you know, as we already talked about, Leonard Fournette is. Uh, uh, he has the possibility to be something special, but not really the guy that I wanted. I will go ahead and, you know, give it a C because, you know, like you said, we may have got a couple a possible three, maybe even four starters in this draft just to kind of go over what the national pundits were, were saying. Kuiper gave it a C plus. Pete Prisco gave it a overall a B minus, um, which isn't the bad considering he gave the first round pick a D. Um, Nate Davis, USA Today, gave it a B plus. So, um, you know, kind of around, around the B, C range. Chad Ruder from uh, NFL.com did give it an A minus. Um, what I would like to do really quick here before we wrap up, guys, is um, who do you think out of the division? Because obviously before, you know, Jacksonville can even start thinking playoffs, they got to win the dang division, and which we can't, you know, we can't seem to do, even though they've had – Many, many opportunities in the last couple of seasons uh, out of everybody in the in the AFC South. Really quick, guys. Who do you think who do you think had the best draft out of everybody? Jacob, let's start with you. Um, I'm just going to say it's the Texans. They fixed their biggest hole possibly by drafting Deshaun Watson. And uh, before we started this, we were talking about how Bill O'Brien is very questionable. If you want to be honest about his uh, credentials as being a quarterback maker, looking outside of Brady, you can say Hackenberg. Hackenberg can't get off the bench for the Jets, and he's reportedly he can't hit a blind side of a barn either. So, or throw the ball in the ocean, standing two inches away from the ocean. So, but looking at Watson, he's a bad thrower. What you're saying, he's he can't throw. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he can't throw, and they're also <laughs> questioning his accuracy a little bit, also. But I would say it's probably Houston, just because they're a they've been winning the division. They were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team because if you looked at the game against the uh, Patriots, they were in it. They just didn't have a quarterback play. Definitely so, won that game, absolutely. Yeah. Taking Deshaun Watson, who went up against a mighty Alabama two years in a row and finally slayed the beast, got to give them the best drafted out of the division. What do you think, Nick? I think you're you were pretty you're you're you know my minor fan of Deshaun Watson, I believe. What do, who do you think? <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit, man. Uh, as as Phil and Phil and James know. You know, as from our prior, previous work, you know, I used to cover Clemson, grew up Clemson fan my whole life. Um, but I'll tell you, I love him even more after having been a quarterback coach for the last two and a half years. Um, he's everything you want in a kid who's going to lead your franchise. No one's going to outwork him. No one's going to outprepare him. Uh, I think Bill O'Brien is a smart enough offensive offensive mind for sure to utilize what he can do well. And limit what they need, or limit asking asking him to do things he struggles with. Like I said, they, you guys, if you guys recall, they're ready made. I mean, they pushed the Patriots, uh, and I believe the second round of the playoffs this year with uh, Brock Osweiler as their starting quarterback. So, I mean, when you add that a kid like that who I think is a blue chip, can't miss type quarterback, I think it spells a lot of trouble for Jacksonville um, trying to get out of that division, especially. When the other team's quarterbacks, you're going to be seeing at least, you know, you'll see these guys six times throughout the season. It's Marcus Mariota, who had a great year last year, and Andrew Luck, who has all the talent in the world. So uh, the AFC South just became that much tougher. And I think it's a couple years away. If Jacksonville can get the quarterback situation figured out and keep improving, I think it's a few years away from being, you know, it used to be the laughing stock, but I think it might be one of the toughest divisions top to bottom uh, in all the league. God, remember when we were just so excited, we thought that Andrew Luck and Blake Bortles was going to be the next Manning versus Brady and how naive <laughs> and misinformed oh, we all were. Uh, James, what do you think? Who uh, in the a- AFC South were, were still looking up at the Texans? They've, they've only been in the league for, I don't know, what, 10 years? And we I think the Jaguars, they're 11 and 19, if I remember last, well, I'm up against that team, um, the, the experience. The expansion, Houston Texans, we can't catch up. Who do you think won uh, in the AFC South? Yeah, I'll definitely say the Texans as well. We we talked on it a little bit before the podcast. And, um, I mean, we, as to piggyback off what Jacob said, I don't know that Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, is going to be the savior for Deshaun Watson that people think he will be. Uh, but then again, that kind of don't matter in, in terms of a division perspective because the Texans have beaten us with Tom Savage. So I, I don't I don't know that it necessarily matters who's at quarterback. That defense will always get through, get them through us at least. But uh, in terms of a, a 
you know, postseason perspective, you know, th- that does help them from a big aspect if Bill O'Brien can really get Deshaun Watson to play like he did at Clemson. So, you know, that, that'll be a big notch under his belt none, uh, nonetheless. And, I mean, I, I do like their talent. I mean, you look at their offense. If if um, Watson comes through, you know, there's Fuller, the DeAndre Hopkins, a.k.a. Jalen Ramsey's son. Uh, but, <laughs> but, I mean, oh, please, <laughs> but I mean, they they are a talented bunch, and they do scare me if he does put it together. <laughs> um, and guys, the one thing I do have to have to defend and speak up for is this Bill O'Brien. Hey, I mean, like I said, I'm as plugged into the coaching world as anybody, and everybody I know respects the hell out of that guy. And you know, when they look for information on quarterbacks, one of the first people they're turned to to see. How they do it is how Bill O'Brien does it. So um, I think it's just kind of a misconception. I mean, I think that the organization just swung and missed on some quarterbacks who just weren't good, and that happens. But I think the guy is a, is a fantastic football coach. Um, so, I mean, I just I, – I, he was getting smashed by all you guys, so I thought I just had to <laughs> – No, no, you know what, Nick? I'll give you that. Um, what's their GM name? I think Rick Smith. He – yeah, he has – swung and missed on some I mean he's hit on some big ones too but you know he's made some questionable uh decisions over there just as well as um Osweiler 70 million dollars that's what so, I'm saying I mean, man and the guy from um that was with the Colts the GM that they fired uh I forget his name but he oh my god I don't understand how they got away with being as good as they were for so long with all the misses he made so I'll give you that Nick I'll give you that <laughs> Seventy million dollars to the guy that might not even be able to compete for quarterback in Cleveland. So <laughs> let's just put I mean, that. Cleveland's about to ship there. out. Which, yeah. as a, which, speaking of Cleveland, as a huge Sean Watson fan, when the draft was playing out and it said Cleveland at twelve, I got I got to tell you there was a good forty minutes where my life was over. I knew my one of my favorite players. <laughs> I was for. His life and career was over with, and I cannot tell you the absolute elation when that little thing on the side of the screen blinked and it said, trade alert, Texans <laughs> up. I mean, everybody I know in my family called me immediately. We were all freaking out together. So really saved from the jaws of despair should be the title of Deshaun Watson's biography. Truth <laughs> be told, I, I'm scared for man. my man Kaiser too, man. Like, I feel so bad for that kid because – that oh man, that situation there in Cleveland. There, but I mean, oh. you got Hugh Jackson though, so that's true. That's true. I hope what my thing it's not, is with old regime in Cleveland, but it's Cleveland. That's true. Like I think my thing is, I hope Cleveland isn't the type to pull the plug too soon on him. They need to understand that there is no talent there, and he's gonna need more time than they think he needs, and that that's what scares me in terms of Hugh Jackson. Um, but you know, hopefully they they come to their senses and keep him around. Hey, remember, uh, Cleveland may have LeBron, but we have pools. So we, <laughs> you know, we have that going for us. And Nick, just to kind of echo what you were just talking about, about just being terrified for Deshaun Watson. That's how I felt when Vince Young went to Tennessee. And I was thinking this guy, my favorite college player of all time, is going to just destroy the Jaguars for the next decade. But then he got blacklisted by the worst coach in NFL history, Jeff Fisher, <laughs> and never got... Never got another chance, so I know exactly exactly what you mean. So, um, but guys, uh, obviously, hey, Phil, uh, yeah. Real quick, it's funny that you mentioned that to you and Nick, because I felt that now that I think about it, I felt that same way for Matthew Stafford coming out of Georgia when the Lions selected him. I thought he was done for. Just, I mean, and I mean, not saying he's had a lot of success there, but he's had a he's had a decent NFL career. So I know that feeling from uh, both you and Nick's perspective. Yeah, I think um, we're all just have a special place in our heart for for those guys. I think it's. I feel like we're getting a little off topic, but whatever. This is our show. Oh, I feel <laughs> right, like right, if, I feel like if Matthew Stafford wins a Super Bowl before, I feel like Matthew Stafford would be a Hall of Famer. Oh, with the rings, I mean, with the video game stat numbers he puts up. I think Super Bowl would probably make him a Hall of Fame quarterback. But, but hey, guys, I didn't have a, we didn't really plan on this, but I did have a draft-related uh, question for you. What's your biggest shock in the whole draft? What was the biggest shocker for oh, you? Trubisky. The Trubisky. Bears. <laughs> I definitely think the John Bears. Lynch. Just John Lynch, how he finessed everybody. <laughs> I was All just right. about to say that's that. Rookie GM. That's, that's mine, man. Yeah, let me get them picks up out you for one spot. I was just, I just about could, to say that. Yeah, and that, that, and I cannot believe that he was able to trade back in, at what twenty nine to get Reuben Foster. I mean, goodness gracious, and all the and all the hell he was catching when he when they hired him 
They're like, oh, former players don't know how to be GMs. And I mean, I love to see that. So, because he just, oh, I mean, he killed it. Killed it. Yeah, they pretty much asked John Lynch, hey, who do you want, Solomon Thomas or Ruben Foster? And he was like, hey, hold my beer. And, yeah. he, and, and, then, and then he got both of them. Like, that's pretty much what happened. It was it's pretty much what happened last year with Jacksonville, where with Miles Jack just falling into our laps there in the second round. They, that was pretty much them. Remember, like, if you look back, uh, uh, just a year a year ago, at uh, all these national TV pundits, you know, talking about, you know, how how Jacksonville had this amazing draft, and I, ca- I can't remember who it was, but someone was like, "Watch out, guys! Jacksonville's a playoff team." <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah, here we are this year picking it four again. So, but you never know what can happen. But yeah, the the San Francisco uh, John Lynch that was man. I don't know how he pulled it off, but it was definitely pretty awesome, Nick. Uh, I definitely agree with you there. But yeah, with just Trubisky, I think a lot of people are getting. You know, it was a little bit surprising for me, but I, um, I think drafting Trubisky gets them at least another year. It gets John Fox and the GM another year, and also people talk talk about all that money they gave Mike Lennon. Really, it's it's really just a one year deal essentially. You know, all the money is up front and very little money the next couple of years. Right. So you know, I guess in that terms, it did make a little bit of sense. But yeah, I think with between Lennon and also. The 49ers, yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty so, close. Would you like, you want me to tell you real quick, just so you know, sometimes you don't get coaches on a pass every day, so let me give you a one-sentence reason why I feel like Trubisky's going to be a bust. Uh, John Gruden's quarterback camp. Uh-oh. Gruden asked him what a hard count was. <laughs> he didn't know what a hard count was. If He's you've done. been playing quarterback for that long and are that uncommitted to the game to ever have even learned what a hard count is, I have real questions about your motivations and if you're a guy who's gonna get it get it done at that that level, not only that, man, the guys are not knocking him for being a one year starter. But if I recall, didn't he have to like battle hard to even become the starter in his senior year? He couldn't beat out a guy that is now on a. I don't even think he's on a practice squad anymore. The yeah, guy he that, didn't beat he didn't beat out Marquise Williams his freshman freshman year. And the the craziest thing was the comparison that he went before Deshaun Watson did. If you think about it, Deshaun Watson's first ever start uh, was against North Carolina at home uh, as a true freshman. So Trubisky was also enrolled in North Carolina, was in sweat in a sweatsuit watching Deshaun Watson, who broke the ACC passing record for touchdowns in a game. And somehow, some way, throughout all that tape, Trubisky goes higher than that kid. I just do not understand. And Patrick what Mahomes, too. Now the Mahomes thing, I kind of get just because he when you're if you're reaching for a quarterback, th- there's only a couple human beings on the planet Earth who can throw a football the way that kid can. Mm-hmm. So if you think you can mold him into do what you want, I, I can I can justify the Patrick Mahomes because yeah. he does have a super elite trait. But the Trubisky thing blows my mind. Yeah, that blows. arm talent on um, Mahomes is just unreal. And being that he's going with Andy Reid, I mean like. He should be in good hands. I don't know if he'll translate, but he he has the coaching by his side for sure. Well, uh, Andy Reid took a young gunslinger that named Brett Favre and had yep, a lot. To I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of that guy. He was he had a pretty good career. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, draft draft weekend is uh. uh has has come and gone, and well, you know, now we get into the the nitty gritty, and then man, I miss. I'm sure I speak for all of you guys. I just really. Really miss football. On, a, on another note, the Jazz knocked out the Clippers, so that was good. I, I'm pretty excited about that. As a Dallas Maverick fan who has no love Woo-hoo! lost for DeAndre Jordan whatsoever, I'm very happy to see them fail again. Um, so that's sorry, got to get a little sidetracked there. Hurt go. Uh, but <laughs> but but yeah, guys. Um, so it was a lot of fun here talking with you guys and and cutting up with you and getting back on this, uh, getting back to work. Um, everybody's doing. Such an awesome job, and I'm just so thankful to, to for uh, for you know James letting me be a part of it once again. But uh, we're gonna sign off here, uh, everybody. Just you know, plug where we can uh, where we can find you once again. What you're and what you're working on, Nick. Uh, why don't you go ahead and go first, Coach? Uh, it's just at Coach Trist on Twitter. You can find everything there. Um, and like I said, man, I was happy to be here. I uh, can't wait. Looking forward to next time. Go ahead, Jacob. And just uh, to reiterate from the beginning. On Twitter, that's at underscore Jay Della. And then I'm your oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your host again, guys. Phil quality, Filipino. very quality takes. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> again, this is just a beautiful mess every single time. But Phil, Phil the Filipino, F I L I P I N O. Um, I'll be at the Dallas Hyenas uh, on May 14th, Mother's Day. Bring mom out for 
for some laughs and uh, have have a good time. Tickets are only five bucks. Hit me up on Twitter or on Facebook for those tickets. And then uh, James, our fearless leader, man. What's uh, well, what's um, coming up project wise for for us? And uh, what else do you want to talk about before we get out of here? Oh man, just a lot of work going up on the site. Um, you know, we we got analysis going on that uh, Jacob and uh, Thomas have worked on, and um, I'm I'm actually editing those. Uh, when I get done. So we're going to have analysis on the picks uh, as well as, um, you know, more podcasts in the future. Um, you know, all, you all know where you can find it. Jaguarswire.usatoday.com. Uh, feel free to follow us at the Jaguars Wire on Twitter at Jags Dan Podcast for the podcast at Sports Grind underscore done for me. And uh, lastly, um, I keep forgetting to do this in every podcast, but anybody that want to sponsor us out there or shoot us some money or free stuff, feel free to hit us up at um, the Jags Dan Podcast Gmail account, which is Jags Dan Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll gladly talk business with y'all. So um, once again, uh, fellas, appreciate the hard work y'all put in and, um, you know, let's keep at it. Absolutely, guys. And once again, you know, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that stuff there. So uh, keep your eyes fixed on the horizon. A lot of uh, a lot more content coming y'all's way. Thank you so much for for joining us here on uh, episode two of the Jags Den podcast via the Jaguars Wire. Um, everybody, you guys uh, be safe, and we will talk soon, gentlemen. And go Jags! Go Jags!